Can you see what the devil is doing? What he has been doing up to this very moment of Christ's birth, all the way going back from Genesis, the seed of the woman, and what's ultimately going to happen to Satan? Can you see? And we could have taken more time, but we're just, we got to go at a very fast pace here. But all throughout Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, and through Judah and now to David, and now David is being hunted by a man, one of his own countrymen. All exclaiming in his Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. In today's lesson, Pastor Rob explains in depth how Satan has worked to stop the reign of Jesus Christ. He compares how he influenced King Saul to pursue King David to stop the reign of the bloodline of David where Jesus would come from and compares it to the evil of Herod the Great and his quest to kill Jesus as a young boy. These individuals did not stop at anything to take down the reign of Jesus Christ who was sent to save us from eternal damnation. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 2 in the Gospel according to Matthew. Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, Abraham, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. And so God is promising him a great number of people coming through him. And then he goes on in, uh, in verse 18, And on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants, Abraham, to your descendants, I make a covenant with, with you to give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the, Parati- the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. I give all of that land and all those people into your hand. And ultimately, he, God gave him the land. And then we go into Genesis chapter 17. And it gets even, it, the, the, it starts to narrow down here, not only just the land that God is going to give, and there's a reason that he's going to give the land to them, because it's ultimately going to come down to a person. Notice, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. said, I'm almighty God, and walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. And then Abraham fell on his face, and, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And Satan is going, Really? Kings? Could this be the seed of the woman? Could it be? This everlasting covenant that God spoke to Abram about was um, 
He promised it not only to Abraham, but the same to Isaac, and then on to Jacob. And then we get to Jacob at the end of Jacob's life, remember, when he's in Egypt. And what does he say? As he's prophesying over his 12 sons on his deathbed, what does he say to Judah? And we, you've heard this so many times so far. But notice in, 40, in Genesis 49, verse 10, Jacob said to, to Judah, he said, The scepter, the right to rule, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now Satan is going, okay, now I've got it. He's going to go through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And ultimately it's going to go through Judah, this king, who's going to reign. And so now he's putting two and together. And as you go through the book of Genesis, you'll see that the attacks of Judah especially were ratcheting up. And why is that? Because God, the, the devil was seeing this thread. And he knows, he remembers Genesis 3.15. He remembers what God had spoken of, his demise, his destruction, eternal destruction, not just a final act, but no, eternal destruction is what Satan is going to have. Now let's fast forward a few hundred years and Saul finally being rejected by God as being Israel's first king. And you remember that David was anointed and, he, and, and Saul begins now to persecute and seek to kill David. And so Saul, inspired by Satan, sought to kill David many times. But there was one specific event that only needs to be mentioned for our purposes today, and that's in 1 Samuel 23. And let me read it to you because it's the same demonic spirit that was manipulating Herod was manipulating Saul of uh, uh, the, the Israel's first king, and we'll see it. In fact, it's kind of very interesting how uh, it, it's kind of spooky in a way because the, the things almost line up pretty clearly. Let me read it to you. First Samuel 23, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness, and this was the time that he was on the run from Saul. And he remained in the mountains of the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. And so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And so let me just get down to verse 19, because now Saul comes to the Ziphites and says, hey, where is David? In fact, he says that the Ziphites came to Saul at Gabeah, saying, is not, is, 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 is not David hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods in the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all you desire and come down and our part will be to deliver him into the king's hand. In other words, these guys are snitches. So they, they saw David in the land and they go to Saul and, hey, you know where he is? We can tell you where he is. And Saul's like, great great. And what does he say? He even brings God into it. Look at this. And Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord for you have compassion on me. Can you imagine bringing God into this equation when the promise would be, all this is all about from Genesis all the way down has been through, it's it's all to, to David. And do you think Saul, a Jew, would understand that? Certainly he would, but he's being deceived by someone else. And now he wants to snuff out his life too. And even though Saul was filled with jealousy and rage, the same source was Satan. The same source was the devil himself. He said, blessed are you of the Lord for you have compassion on me. Notice, please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to tell me with certainty. Does that sound familiar? With what we just read in Matthew 2? 
Herod saying to the, ma- the Magi, hey, go search out diligently and find the child so that I can go worship him too. And the Magi are going, uh, we're a little bit wiser than that. I don't know if you saw that in the Bible, but it says wise, wise men. We're wise men. We're not foolish. No, we're not going to tell you. Thank God they were wise men. God gave them discernment. You better get away from this guy. He's a cracked pot. Can you see what the devil is doing, what he has been doing up to this very moment of Christ's birth, all the way going back from Genesis, the seed of the woman, and what's ultimately going to happen to Satan? Can you see? And we could have taken more time, but we're just, we got to go at a very fast pace here. But all throughout Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, and through Judah and now to David, and now David is being hunted by a man, one of his own countrymen, Saul. And, and, and this, was, this was the covenant that God had made with David. And how important was David's life? Remember, God said to him in 2 Samuel 7, he said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Certainly speaking uh, in the immediate of Solomon, but ultimately speaking of Jesus coming through him. And I will set up your seed after you who will come from your own body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Solomon's only going to live for 70 years, folks. But God's saying, through your son, I am going to set up his kingdom forever. That means that there's someone else who's going to live forever. And who is that person? The seed of David. Ultimately, it's Jesus, right? And I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from uh, him as I took it from Saul, whom I'm removed from before you and your house and your kingdom, David, shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Do you see all that was writing on David's life? And how close did Saul get on many of occasions? All of this was coming down to a head all throughout history, to this point that we're looking at now. So David is on the run. His, God had given him promises. He said, through your seed, I'm going to set up on, on, on the throne forever. Speaking of even future events to us today, the millennial reign with, King, with Christ on the throne and us in our glorified bodies with him on, on this earth for a thousand years. And then you go forward a little bit further and you come to the book of Esther. Remember Haman, the Agagite, who sought to destroy the Jews? And thank God Mordecai and Esther, they intervened and took great strides to save their people. And God was victorious over that attempt. And now go forward to Isaiah, to 700 BC now. And then God gives to Isaiah this prophecy. This is one that we've already heard a lot. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So now Satan is thinking to himself, okay, I got Judah. Now there's going to come a son. Okay, a son is going to be born. And I even know his name now. It's going to be Emmanuel. And then in Isaiah verse 9, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Oh my goodness, Satan thinks. This is going to be God in the flesh, the Messiah. He is, he is the seed of the woman. He's putting two and two together, and he's persecuting and killing everybody in that path. Do you understand? Can you see that? Hopefully I've done a decent job of you know, 
briefly showing you. There's a lot more, but throughout the history of the Old Testament, he's attacking, attacking, trying to thwart God's plan of getting this son. He wants to kill Christ, and he hates his people. He hates the Jews, and he hates the church because of our association. And so Herod the Great, seeking to kill Jesus now, personally, and when that failed, he had to send a great... uh, army into Bethlehem in hopes that one of those who would be killed would be Jesus. Again, the same demonic spirit that we saw back in the garden who first introduced himself to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. Satan. The same demonic spirit that has been working through the millennia, throughout the Bible, now takes root. And, and, and now, as Jesus is born, and as he continues to grow, that same demonic spirit now is working Uh, through the religious leaders of Jerusalem, and even one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas. One of his own betrays him. And then he gets the religious leaders, the Jews, to ultimately forge a false narrative and ultimately crucify Jesus. And then after Jesus was incarnate, And he paid the price for our sin on the cross after he was resurrected. Now, there's nothing Satan can do now. He's tried everything to snuff out through this Herod, killing Jesus at his birth. But now there's nothing he can do to stop it. So Jesus grows, he grows, his ministry begins. He's trying to infiltrate, and he did finally with Judas. He thinks he's he's successful by finally allowing Christ to be put to death. And he's rejoicing and rejoicing, and he forgets, oh boy, My goose is still cooked because the Bible says that that's going to happen anyway. And he rose again, defeating death and hell. Did he read Psalm 16, verse 10? Neither will he allow his Holy One to suffer corruption, but he would raise him from the grave. Did Satan put two and two together? Very intensely intelligent being. Never think for a minute that he is a dummy. Not to give glory to him at all, but do you understand? This being is a very intelligent being. He studies. He knows. And so, now that Jesus has died on the cross, and he realizes that he's still ultimately doomed, what does he turn his attention to? The Jews. The seed of the woman The seed of the woman was ultimately Christ, but also his offspring, the Jews, because he knows that through the Jews came the Messiah, came the word of God, and ultimately Christ is coming back for, to save them. He's going to rapture the church first, but he's ultimately going to save Israel. And now Satan, all he can do is try to thwart that plan. In fact, in Revelation 12, it says something interesting. Revelation 12, we're just going to look at the first six verses, but it gives a panorama of what is happening, what has happened in Israel with, with Jesus coming to, to, to be born, and ultimately it, it, it goes all the way through this, 
this narrative all the way to the very end during the tribulation period. And we're only going to look at the first six verses. But it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And if you've studied Genesis, you know that this is speaking of Israel specifically as a whole. And then being with child, notice, Israel being with child, speaking certainly of Mary personally, but it's really speaking of the nation She cried out in labor to give birth, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a fiery great red dragon, who we know as Satan, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head, and his tail drew a third of the stars from heaven. And the dragon stood before the woman. So Satan stood before Israel, stood before Mary in a sense, and it says to us what? Stood before her who was ready to give birth to do what? To devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That happened when? At the, at the resurrection and at, at the ascension of Christ. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should be fed there 1,260 days or three and a half years. And that's still yet looking forward into the great tribulation period. Do you follow? And so this, um, so now that he can't stop Jesus, now he's going to go after his, his people. He's going to go after the Jews. He stood before Israel and waited for her to be delivered of her child. And once... Once the child was delivered through Mary and the nation, in a sense, birthed Christ, he put into Herod's heart to destroy the child. That was Satan working through Herod to do that deed. And not only to the Jews, but also to the church. (laughs) Satan comes after the church. Has anybody felt oppressed? Have you ever felt like the, the devil is coming after you or that there was heat in the world turning up on the church? Heat is turning up. Heat is turning up on the church. And can I tell you, I believe it's going to be heating up a little bit more. We're going to see more heat in the future, folks. Jesus said, if the world hates you, speaking to his disciples, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Or if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, and I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And he goes on, Paul tells his protege, Timothy, you have carefully followed my doctrine and my manner of life and the faith and the long-suffering, the perseverance, the persecutions, the afflictions which happened to me. And he goes, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So you and I, as part of the church, are also going to suffer persecution. Why? Because we are guilty by association. We're going to be... The devil tried to snuff out Jesus' life he tried to snuff out the Jews. He's still very um, trying to do that. Uh, anybody heard of the term anti-Semitism? Why is that happening? Because of what I'm talking about right now. He couldn't kill Jesus. He can't thwart his plan, and he's angry. He's going to try everything he can to kill them, to keep God's promises from happening. And there's a lot more promises yet to come. And he's like, well... If I, can't, if I couldn't kill him, ultimately, I'm going to go after them and I'm going to take away the apple of his eye. I'm going to take as many of them as I can. And he not only says that to the Jewish people, but he also says that to the Christian made up of Jew and Gentile. So have you felt the heat? 
Are you feeling the heat? Because we're going to feel some more heat. But thank God that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Don't you worry about it, saints, because things are going to heat up, but God is with us, and he is not going to abandon us. He is Emmanuel. Never for one minute think that you're going to be in the clutch of the devil because he is not going to allow. He says, the the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, think about this, though. Let's think soberly about it because the church began in the first century, and did the first century church go through persecutions and great peril? Yes, they did. And yet God said, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. So obviously that means our security is in him. Are we going to go through difficult times? Even before the rapture, I think we are. I think we're going to go through difficult times. Do you need to be afraid of it? No, we don't need to be afraid of it. That's why I implore you to grab as many as you can. Grab as many people in your life as you can and wake them up. We need to be awoken. We need to be revived. If you're like me, I've, I've lived in the church for a long time now, and there's a, there's a, there's a, this can happen to us, folks. We can get lethargic and we can get uh, complacent, and now is the time that we have to awake out of our slumber, and we need to tell people. We need to pull them out of the fire. God wants us to be a part of that. But we have to awaken. We have to see the severity and how close we are. We are very close to the end, folks. And we need to be engaged. Please, for the love of God, read, read, read your Bibles. And for the love of God, pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Join us for our prayer meetings. Sorry. As, as I'm speaking to you, I'm actually, there's a lot more people that I'd be speaking to, okay? But I want to encourage you to please join us. Now is the time. Now is the time. We need to draw closer to the Lord unlike ever before. Please. Your own heart, your own life, your own faith, your own purpose with what God has for you is, it need, it's right now. We need to find out what that is. Now is the time to be all in. All in. Will you please be all in? I beg you in the name of Christ. Be all in. Because he loves you. He wants the best for you. And you know, finding the purpose of God for your life right now is the greatest thing you will ever experience. I can tell you that because I'm, I'm experiencing it myself. I'm, 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 I'm just so excited about what God is doing. Even though I know the times aren't going to be easy coming ahead. They're not going to be easy. In fact, I think my faith is going to be more tried and tested as I go forward. So why do we think that there is so much anti-Semitism and wars and terrorism against the Jews and hatred for the church? It's because of everything I've just shared with you. Lord, we thank you for just uh, being with us, Lord. What a blessing it is to know you. And Lord, to know that you know us so well, Lord. And so, Lord, encourage us, Lord. Lord, take us apart and build us up, God. We need you, and and Lord, we... um, We want to be effective for you in these last days, Lord. So set us on fire again, Lord. 
Teach us, Lord, how to worship you. Lord, teach us how to minister to you. And Lord, to you be the glory and the honor and praise. In Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.